in conversation with Stephen Adams, award-winning producer who has been instrumental in creating a vital connection between the African continent and the Americas through his groundbreaking work from uh, representing breakthrough African filmmakers to facilitating historic partnerships. Stephen's impact spans generations and spans continents with a career that's left an indelible mark on both sides of the camera. He joins us now for a conversation uh, and hopefully some insights on bridging cultures through film and driving representation and diversity within the global entertainment landscape. I am delighted to welcome Stephen Adams to this program. Stephen, how are you, sir? I am very well this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to have you on the program. Thank you for your time. Um, let, let me start with this. Um, it's the obvious um, uh, place to start, it seems to me at least. Uh, this strike, I'm sitting in Los Angeles right now. This strike continues uh, for a while. There were no conversations at all. Now uh, we uh, know that uh, talks have been scheduled uh, to resume again. So they're, they're going back to the table uh, once more. But, but what say you as one who obviously is a part of this business as a, an award-winning producer, uh, Hollywood is sort of shut down right now. What's, what's, what's your take on this, this uh, moment of drama that we are enduring? Well, you know, I feel like this is a necessary moment. It's a necessary adjustment to the, to the economics of our business. And it, the economics of this business seem to be a microcosm for what's going on in the whole country, which is that you've got this sort of, you know, wealth push into very, very few hands, and people are starting to fight back for their rights. You see this, you know, hotel workers are on strike. VFX workers are joining IATSE. I mean, there's a, there's a big movement for people to take what is rightfully theirs. We're not asking people to give them more than they deserve, just what is fair and what is right. And I think that's, I think that's a very good and very healthy thing. Yep. Um, are there things uh, in this particular moment, um, or put it another way, this peculiar moment that you think uh, is, is, is the genesis or the... Uh, 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 the, the, the force behind why we're seeing um, these strikes right about now? Well, I think people are, you know, fed up with, with, with being, you know, essentially colonized, you mm-hmm. know, for the benefit of a handful of people. So, I mean, that's happening to artists, it's happening to workers, that's happening to people everywhere, and I think people are waking up and recognizing that with that kind of unity, there's also power, that you can't make, uh, you can't make a small number of people wealthy without some collaboration, and if people start to look at one another and, again, you know, see their own value and their value in numbers, they can get something equitable out of this. You know, again, as I'm saying, you know, people are not asking for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at the strike, the, the percentage of what's being asked for is really very, very small mm-hmm. when, when, when compared to the, the profits that we're talking about. Yeah. So, and so, so how do you read, then, just a couple more questions on this, we'll move on to uh, some other issues. How, how do you read, then, given what you've just said, um, the recalcitrance, I think I can put it that way, the recalcitrance of those who are, who are the big bosses, the owners, the studios. You know, in fairness to them, I think there is something that, we're, that maybe we should take a look at, which is that we all rushed, all of us rushed into this you know, new world of, of streaming, and maybe we weren't looking at what that business model was. It's a, it's a tech model. It's different. It was a, you know, we, we already have a complete buyout uh so that you know these companies have, have libraries and they have full ownership of what's there but you know they're, they're they're because it's not commercial there's there's even if you have millions and millions of viewers it doesn't change the the profit so without you know that old school commercial model you know it is hard to talk about what's really actually being made so i think you know there 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 is something on the other side which is not entirely uh, disingenuous. I think they are struggling, and you know we, that we have to look at that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. Um, this uh, a strike, of course, continues, and uh, 
we don't know how long this is going to go, but nobody expected that we were going to be in it um, for just a few days. Everybody expected that this was going to happen for the long haul, <clears throat> and we shall see. Uh, but I wanted to just get your temperature on that, take your temperature given that you have long been a part uh, of this industry and a part of this business, and I thank you for, for those uh, for indulging me in that regard. Uh, now I want to talk specifically about your work, specifically as it relates to bridging the African continent and the Americas through film. Um, I'm curious as to how you got in this particular lane. Every producer who I've ever met or known or interviewed, and I've talked to so many over the course of my career, obviously, everybody has a different sort of lane they run in. They they, they see the world through a different prism, and however, however they see the world uh, through that prism, uh, it, it informs uh, and empowers the kind of work they want to do as a producer. So tell me about the way Stephen Adams sees the world and how that view has impacted the kind of work he's done bridging uh, these uh, uh, these continents. That is a fantastic question. I love it. Um, I you know I, I've always wanted to have and I've always pushed myself to have a very international career. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like you know as much as people. Uh, may poo-poo this, you know, we're shaping culture, we're shaping hearts, we're shaping minds, we're shaping policies, mm -hmm. we're shaping the way the world sees people. And I've, you know, I've been in, in this business since the 90s, and I was, you know, very disheartened to see, you know, what most of the imagery that surrounded black people was, because it was not coming from us, or that which was coming from us was approved with, you know, a certain tendency to focus on dysfunction, or negativity, or stereotypes, and there were great, incredible stories that you know for for the past few thousand years that we just we've just been sitting on. Even you know, even in the Americas, there are incredible stories of triumph and, and success and mm -hmm. and and creativity. I mean, you know, the things that the, the the amount of the amount of creativity from Black Americans alone is something that is just a wellspring that you know literally is created this culture on every level. So, you know. It's been one of those things where I've been, you know, working. I worked in France. I've, I've represented companies around the world for, mm -hmm. for for many many years, but the African thing was something I really wanted to have happen. And let me let me let me let, like me let me ask, ask you hold that thought just for a second. I want to come right to the African thing, as you put it, uh, in just a second here. I apologize for the interruption, but I want to just make sure we have time to allow you to complete the rest of that story. So I've I've made two notes. I want to to probe you on one is the notion of black creativity. Uh, and uh, and what it means uh, in this moment, and the Africa thing that you referenced. We'll get to that when we come forward. Stephen Adams on Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. Let's get back to more of Stephen Adams, uh, award-winning producer uh, on the uh, Netflix original adaptation of Roger Guinevere Smith's solo performance piece, Rodney King, and the Peabody award-winning uh, Huey P. Newton story for Stars, both directed by Academy Award winner Spike Lee, of course. Adams recently collaborated on the marketing of two seasons of Spike Lee's hit series on Netflix, She's Gotta Have It, and the Academy Award-winning Black Klansman. Just some of the credits of Stephen Adams to give you a sense of uh, why we're talking to this award-winning producer about his work to bridge the, uh, the the gap between the African continent and the Americas through film. Uh, and uh, just want to give you some of, some of his backstory. I could spend hours just talking about all the stuff he's done. But that gives you a sense of who we're talking to. That said, um, Stephen Adams, you were you were saying a moment ago uh, about how you got on track and why the Africa thing uh, matters so much to you. I want to finish uh, that story. Then I, I want to circle back to circle back to, to black creativity and your thoughts about it. But tell me about the Africa thing, as you put it. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I, you know, it's it's something that I, I, you know, since I was a kid, I was I always wondered about, you know, what, you know, what my or African origins were. I mean, you know, we've moved into a moment where technology is starting starting to solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So I I look at a convergence of a few things. One, you look at things like a Netflix, which has uh, uh, inadvertently solved a lot of these problems by by through its algorithm, which is showing you that value is everywhere. So suddenly, you know, this is you've got. You've got Netflix Africa, Netflix Asia, Netflix this, Netflix that, because they understand there's markets there and their algorithm is telling them that this is growing. So that's one thing. You have a continent that's still healing, even as it's still reeling from post-colonialism, mm-hmm. uh, and it's starting to express itself more and more and more. And then technology is allowing us to all connect through that, and then we learn who we are genetically, and so then you can identify with certain groups. So all these things sort of converging together you know, are, are, are this moment of technology, reconnection, and, you know, it's a moment whose time has come, and I think it's only going to get stronger. When we reach a moment where that one-plus billion population, I think in the next 10 years it's going to be the youngest population on the planet, under 25, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of youth, a lot of power, a lot of viewership, and a lot of taste, and a lot of direction, and a lot of will. And uh, you wait till you get the first Pan-African star, and you you you, you just don't even know. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 coming. It's a moment who's, who, that is coming, and it's coming quickly. And it's going to be one of the greatest, most beautiful, most positive things that the world has ever seen. Yep. What what are some of these? Um, how do I want to phrase this? What are some of the stories? Some of the link uh, linkages? Some of the parallels? that allow you as a producer to bridge the African continent and the Americas through film, if that question makes any sense at all? No, it does make sense, and I think that one of the things is that stories are stories. I think one of the things that we've sort of been taught by Hollywood is that, you know, if it isn't from America and isn't from a Eurocentric point of view, nobody's really going to understand it, and that is far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And you start to see how, you know, films on Netflix are performing well beyond their cultural categories all the way across the board. Everything from Money Heist to Squid Games, etc., is showing you that there's an appetite for, for, for all the cultures. And the African shows are starting to perform. You know, Blood and Water is doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film Silverton Siege was, you know, number two on Netflix and performed in all over the planet. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it, the world wants to see what, what their brothers and sisters are like everywhere else. So I think this is a great, great time yeah. to, to really push, push that agenda. You said something just now, Steve, that I want that I want to probe here. Um, and let me let me frame it this way, which uh, I think you'll appreciate being a producer. Um, as you know, um, producers and studios are always in these conversations at the onset of a project about who's going to star in the project and all kinds of other issues about the production. And those issues um, focus more and more these days on how this project can sell worldwide. Will it play worldwide? And so that helps decide who the star of the film is going to be and all the other ancillary issues connected to that. But it's ultimately about can we make money off this project worldwide? We don't want just domestic box office. Can we make money everywhere? And as you know, as a producer, those are the considerations that are on the table when you're sitting with the studio to try to close this deal to do the project. I raise that because to your point about connecting uh, the African continent and the Americas through film, whether or not we are at a point now or approaching a point where the same can be said uh, of uh, of African content, that they now are producing stuff that plays, that is received worldwide. 
I think we're a couple of beats away from that, but I think we're definitely on that path. Mm-hmm. So my feeling is that, you know, you give a few things a, few, a bit more performance. You emphasize more global promotion as opposed to local promotion. You give audiences a chance to see the things that, that, that are there, and it's going to shift very quickly. And also, as I said, the youth population of Africa is mm-hmm. probably going to be influential in a way that we have yet to see manifest. Yeah, um, I'm fascinated by that because uh, you know, I was just reading an article yesterday about how well this Barbie movie is doing inside of China. Uh, and as you know, there are all right. sorts of constraints <laughs> and things in China. But this movie Barbie is playing remarkably well in China. And if you've ever been to China, I've been there a few times. It's kind of fascinating to consider this white Barbie character and how it's resonating with Chinese, with the Chinese girls. Uh, and so it, it's it's an interesting sort of phenomenon. I take your point that the youth on the continent of Africa uh, is a, a completely untapped source for Hollywood and others. But when they realize how many young folk are on that continent and how they love entertainment, I think you're right. We're going to see more and more people trying to bridge the gap, as it were, between the African continent and the Americas through film and other entertainment. I digress on that point for now. Earlier, you 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 referenced this notion of, of black creativity, and I don't want to color this next question too much. We'll build on it. Once you give me your first response, your first retort, um, but just, just critique for me, if you will, uh, you've worked with, with everybody, and including Roger and Spike, who I referenced earlier. Um, give me your read right now on the nature of black creativity. Wow. I mean, you know, I, black creativity on a global basis or black creativity in a, on an American basis, I think you've, all, you've got something where you've got the triumph of the will over a lot of adversity, you know, we've sort of been in this struggle, this cultural struggle for the last 500 years, and yet, despite that, there is there is just this extraordinary manifestation of all these things, whether it's inventions in science, medicine, uh, you know, we look back and some of the first automobiles were invented by black people, surgical advances, you know, heart, you know, you know, uh, blood transfusions, all these things that, you know, that people don't really realize that, you know, are ours. And then you have, then of course, the other things that people do know about with music, sports, etc. But all of this is, you know, is is a, is a is a testament to the the creativity that overcomes the best efforts of other cultures to stop it, and it still flourishes. So I think it's it's just it's just this extraordinary gift from God, really. Mm-hmm. When you said earlier that value, to your mind, is everywhere, that's your line. That value is everywhere. Uh, I've I, I sat on that for a few minutes um, trying to figure out how I how I feel about that uh, and how I want to interrogate it. And now I've decided that I do want to interrogate it. So when you say that when you say that value is everywhere, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not that is, in fact, actual or aspirational. And I ask that in part because I am still not convinced that the black creativity that you just spoke of is valued by Hollywood by the masses in the way that it should be. There's no doubt about the fact that everybody wants to exploit. We were talking yesterday for an hour about black culture. There's no doubt that everybody wants to exploit black culture. I'm not so sure I buy the argument that that it has value everywhere. And that may not be the point you were trying to make. So talk to me about that. Well, my point is different. I think my point is that the, there is value. Whether okay. people are assigning it or not is a different story. Got it. Or whether they're acknowledging the fact that they have their hand in that cookie jar for a reason. They have their hand in there for a reason because they know what's in there is good. Got it. So, you know, they may, they may be advertising it as something else, but there's a reason why. 
that's to keep you away so they can keep on helping themselves. Mm-hmm. But I think the value is definitely there. Yeah. You know, and and some and some of the uh some of the efforts are, are an indica- some of the efforts to stop us from being, you know, aware of this are, are an indication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what what say you about where we are in this present moment with regard to black people being able to tell their own stories? Well, I think we're getting more and more self, you know, determination in general. I think Hollywood is always a very hierarchical, very closed system, and I think technology again is solving that problem. I mean, these days, honestly, I tell people if you can't make a film, it's because you don't want to. Mm. Uh, you know, you can make a film on your phone. It doesn't. In, in, I've seen virtuosity with a phone on the screen. It means you have to push yourself even further to distinguish yourself from all the things that are that are being made on a daily basis. You know, but. But I definitely think that, that that it's never been easier. And I think what, the main thing is that we have to shift the mindset. We have to move away from thinking that anybody else needs to allow us to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's up to us. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to how you think the power, I want to get back to this notion of storytelling. Talk to, talk to, me, about, talk to me, that is, about the ways in which you see the power, the power of storytelling um, serving as a bridge between cultures around the globe. You know, I went. I just got back from Durban, the Durban Film Mart. I'm on their advisory board there, and mm-hmm. I listened to pitches for five days from people. And I mean, the stories were unbelievably amazing because I, you know, they were coming from places that I couldn't anticipate because they were rooted in other cultures and things that I don't know about. But they were telling stories that moved me. I was like, this is so exciting. And and some of them did involve engagement with with America. Others didn't. But it didn't matter. They were just telling amazing, amazing stories. And I think that there's just this next generation of, of, of creatives that are ready to to express themselves. And, and, and if a fraction of the films that I heard got made, mm-hmm. it, some of them have the potential to perform, I think, globally. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about, you know, what that was like. You know, it was yeah. just a, an incredibly uplifting week of, of interaction with some super strong, you know, uh, creatives who were just ready to take it on. Yeah. Speaking of the power of, of storytelling, it seems to me that one of the ways um, that you bridge this gap between the African continent and America's, uh, the Americas through film, is that film can, how about I put it, challenge and, and break down stereotypes about different cultures, hopefully fostering a better understanding uh, among global audiences. I, I assume you agree with that assessment that, again, this collaboration can, can, can break stereotypes. Absolutely, absolutely can. And like I was saying, the stories that I was hearing were were sophisticated. They were surprising. They were fresh and modern, and based in things that you know the average person outside of that continent would not know. But really, 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 really surprising and amazing. And you know, some were like urban thrillers and taking place in these you know really sophisticated circumstances. Others were a combination of rural and urban and. Some were collisions of cultures between America or, or Africa and her diaspora. So there's a lot of things, a lot of different aspects to all this. Yep. And and, and what impact on on audiences do you think uh, this kind of cultural exchange, if you will, ultimately has? Oh, I think it's going to be amazing. I think there's, you know, first of all, you've got people who are finally defining themselves. I mean, let's be honest. The West has defined Africa for itself for mm-hmm. a long time, for you know, for many, many reasons. We know what those are, but when people start defining themselves, then you're going to really be amazed and surprised and entertained. 
Yeah. Is is the industry um, going to allow, and I, I'm pausing and slowing down on that word, allow, uh, maybe accept is a better word, um, the African continent to, in fact, define itself? I don't think they have a choice. Yeah. I think that the numbers <laughs> will force the, 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 de- the determination, and frankly, I would feel sorry for them if they try to stop it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they're going to they're going to impact their own bottom line by 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 resisting what will only be a very lucrative and positive and robust market. Yeah. Finally, I assume, given what you just said about being in Durban, um, that you are that you see uh, a plethora of emerging voices and emerging talents that the rest of us have yet to discover. Well, you know, I'm I'm here to make sure that everybody knows who they are. I've got a lot of great people I'm working with, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm introducing them very, very steadily to the Hollywood system. You know, obviously the strike has made that a little bit more difficult, but when that's over, you know, they're going to be welcome to a very, very interesting opportunity to collaborate with some of the greatest people that I've ever met. Yeah, um, the African continent is uh, undeniable. Uh, on so many different fronts, and uh, it is undeniable in terms of its talent uh, on the creative side, uh, music, uh, sport, uh, entertainment, Hollywood, etc. And uh, Stephen Adams has done some pretty good work uh, at bridging the African continent and the Americas through film, um, driving representation and diversity, hopefully in the global entertainment landscape. And I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk to Stephen about his work. Stephen, good to have you on. All the best to you, sir. Tavis, I appreciate you and, and, and have enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for your time. All the best to you. When we come forward in our remaining half hour, a conversation with the emerging Billboard charting R&B sensation Kevin Ross, who joins us live in studio. You're listening to Tavis Smiley.